City. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. I've heard people testify. I've heard believers testify before others and they start off saying something like this. I guess I've always loved God. The Bible says you never loved God before you came to Christ. I've always loved God and wanted to know him. You hated God. You may have loved a God that you created in your mind. Maybe a God that gave you the warm fuzzies. But you did not love the God of the Bible. You were hostile in mind towards him. That means your attitude was one that you despised God. So how can you say that? Because he goes on to say that in verse 21, you were engaged in evil deeds. The evidence that you were hostile towards God, you were at enmity with him, which is what Paul says in Romans 8, 7, is that your thought life was sinful, and that's where it began, and then it led to wicked deeds. of reconciliation. Here on Verse by Verse, we are not finished learning about that concept. This is part of our study on the incomparable Christ, which is being taught to us by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are carefully working our way through Colossians chapter 1, and today we will continue to look at verses 21 and 22, where it says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and above reproach. Again, what is the purpose of reconciliation? Or we could also ask, what will the ultimate reconciliation look like in the future? Let's find out. Here's Pastor Steve. What is the purpose of reconciliation? This morning, I know that you must be sitting there saying, he spoke last week about teachers boring people, and that's what he's doing. It's just theology. This doesn't affect me. My mind's being stretched, but I don't have a clue as to what the... How is this relevant for me? You might say, just enough of this. Tell me where I fit in to reconciliation. You fit in in verses 21 and 22. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds... Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Paul is saying, if you want to know what reconciliation will be like in creation in the future, just look at yourself. Now, let's delve into this. Just like the Colossians, prior to your conversion to Christ, prior to coming to know him as Savior and Lord, you were estranged from God. What does that mean? You were alienated. Do you know that? You were alienated from God. You were detached from him. You couldn't connect with him. I remember in my own life experiencing that and being aware of that and thinking that I'm here and God is way beyond and I didn't know how to connect with him. I was very conscious until I was 18 years old and trusted the Savior, very conscious of the fact that God and I had no relationship apart from the fact that I mentally believed that he existed. I knew that I was separated from God. I didn't know why I was separated, but I knew I was separated. 
But after I came to Christ, I understood why I was separated. Scripture says that your sins have separated you. You were estranged from God. That was your condition. That was everyone's condition. Ephesians chapter 2. You want to know what you were, and this is why you need reconciliation? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. This is the doctrine of man. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were away from God. You had no way of getting close to God. You may have tried to be very religious. You may have given up. You might have said, look, it's useless. But you were away from God. You were alienated from God. Secondly, Paul says, we weren't only in the state of alienation, but notice verse 21, where he says, you were, and this is so important, you were hostile in mind. You were hostile in your mind. What does that mean? In your heart, you hated God. Now listen to me. I've heard people testify. I've heard believers testify before others, and they start off saying something like this. I guess I've always loved God. The Bible says, you never loved God before you came to Christ. I've always loved God and wanted to know him. You hated God. You may have loved a God that you created in your mind. Maybe a God that gave you the warm fuzzies. But you did not love the God of the Bible. You were hostile in mind towards him. That means your attitude was one that you despised God. So how can you say that? Because he goes on to say that in verse 21, you were engaged in evil deeds. The evidence that you were hostile towards God, you were at enmity with him, which is what Paul says in Romans 8, 7, is that your thought life was sinful and that's where it began and then it led to wicked deeds. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 explains this to us. People don't like to hear this. They like to think that they are better than this, but this is what we are. Apart from Christ, this is the doctrine of man. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and it answers the question, are all men lost without Christ? Absolutely. Well, what if they've never heard of Jesus Christ? Yeah, but they've heard of some truth, whether it be in creation or in conscience, and they've rejected it. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Whatever truth in years past they've had about God, they suppressed it. That's where it begins. They suppress it. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. They knew about God, but he says, for even though they knew God, in verse 21, it means they knew about him. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile watch in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. They hated God. It started in the mind. Their foolish heart was darkened because they began to become philosophers rather than those who accepted the revealed truth from God. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. It led to idolatry. And verse 24 says, Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity that their bodies may be dishonored among them. What he's saying is hostility begins in the mind. It leads to stupid speculation. God eventually says that I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. And what we do 
is the demonstration by our wicked deeds that we are hostile towards God. Because if you were not hostile towards God, you would have submitted to him. So all of us are born into this world engaged in hostility of mind. All. There is no such thing as the innocent native. There is no such thing as the innocent child. We're the worst. There is no such thing as innocence. That's the way it was for the Colossians. That's the way it was for us. And you need to understand that. You didn't love God. You hated God. That's why you needed reconciliation. You were at war with God. You may have deceived yourself into thinking that you love God, but you didn't love God. No one has loved God until God does a work in your heart and brings you to salvation. We were aloof from God. We hated him. We sinned against him. And if God left things go that way, then we would all die and go to hell. And you know what? We would hate God in hell. Nothing would be changed. But something did change it because God intervened. Verse 22 says, Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. By Christ's death, our sins were dealt with. God intervened, and the barrier of sin that separated us, that made us aloof from him, has been removed, so that now you can be at one with him. Now you can have a relationship with him. You have returned to him. You have returned to him, not in the sense that you were once believers, and now you've come back to him. No, in the sense that you have returned to the state that God originally created man to have. In fact, even better. God created man to be in harmony with him, and now we've returned to that. He's reconciled us. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you are new creatures in Christ. He's made it even better. Now, why did all this happen? He says in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. That's the purpose of reconciliation. The purpose is that someday at the return of Christ, you will be through struggling with your sin. You will stand before him in perfect holiness. You will be blameless in his sight. You will be beyond Reproach. We're going to stand before God without any smear on us. Someday you'll be exactly what God wants you to be. And that's the purpose of it. He has done this to make you holy. He has chosen you before the foundation of the world to present you holy to himself. That's the purpose of all of this. Now, does that mean that you can live like a rebel now and that, you know, as soon as you die, you're going to be like Christ? So why bother in the disciplines of the Christian life now? Well, we move to the final part, and that is not only the provision, the participants, the purpose, but also what is the proof of reconciliation? How do you know if you have a relationship with him? How do you know if you've been brought into a reconciled relationship, if things have been changed between you and God? Notice verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. The proof that you've been reconciled to God is one word. You continue. You continue in this commitment to Christ right now. You continue in the faith. And the evidence, and this deals with assurance, the evidence that God has brought you into relationship with himself is that you continue in that relationship. And that means that you continue to have a commitment to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that it's without struggle. It doesn't mean that there are times in your life where you haven't fallen into sin. We all have. But it means that you don't fall prey to every religious fad that comes your way. It means that you don't fall away from the truth doctrinally, and you don't fall away from the direction of your life living out that truth. No one is saved by continuing in the faith. That's good works. 
But those who have been saved by the grace of God will continue in the faith. That's perseverance. You will continue. In other words, continuation is the evidence of being reconciled to God. And I want you to see this. Romans chapter 5. Spend a few minutes here. This is where you are. This is practical. This is where your lives are at. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. What he's saying is this. Once you come to Jesus Christ, you have peace with God. And that peace with God leads to other things. That peace with God and that relationship with him means that no matter what tribulation comes your way, no matter how many difficulties and trials you have, it is all there to develop your character. And when you see your character being changed to the image of Christ and you see a change in your attitude, you see a change in your behavior, you see that as you go through the bumps and the trials of life, you don't leave Christ, you don't get bitter, you persevere, that gives you great hope. That gives you confidence that you really are a child of God because you're responding to life's challenges and difficulties as a Christian would. You are continuing in the faith. Regardless of the difficulties and setbacks and temptations, we continue not only to believe in Christ, but we continue by our behavior and character to become more and more Christ-like through the challenges of life. I want you to know that is not the mark of an unbeliever. An unbeliever is still hostile towards God. And watch this. He may appear on the outside that he subdues that hostility for a while, but he can't keep up that pretense forever. He can't. And when there's a trial in his or her life, if the nature has not been changed, if he's not really been reconciled, then eventually those who are enemies of God are going to reveal their hostility. Look, for example, with me, will you? Mark chapter 4. Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 4 about people who looked like they were believers for a while, and we see them in our church. We see them in coming to church, and they sing the hymns, and they go to Sunday school, and they look like believers for a while, but something happens, and they fall away. Why? Because they were still enemies. The nature hadn't been changed. Mark chapter 4, verse 17, he's speaking about the sower went out, and he sowed the seed of the word of God, and the soil speaks of different heart responses. One response looks like a believer. Verse 17, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary, he said. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. This is the person on rocky soil. There's no root. So immediately it looks like this person is saved. They may have some kind of emotional experience. They may have prayed the sinner's prayer, but it looks like things are different And they come to the church and they're in our midst and things look right until affliction because of the word, until it costs something to be a Christian. And then they say, I'm out of here. Why are they out of here? Because they're still hostile towards God. And they refuse to submit to a holy God if it's going to mean their flesh, if something's going to hurt them. They've never had their hearts subdued and submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ. They're not going to let anything stand in the way of themselves. They're too self-centered. In other words, their minds have never been changed. And that's why, by the way, repentance is necessary for salvation. You must change your mind about God, about your sin. 
because otherwise you'll still be hostile. Notice another verse, John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, Jesus spoke about continuing. And I want you to see this. This is important because he spoke to people who John said believed in him. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, but in context, it can't be saving belief. It can't be saving faith, because you'll see their response. These are Jewish people who intellectually attach themselves to Jesus as Messiah. But when he began to speak about certain things, they said, whoa, that's not what we thought. Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of Mine. But jump down. He says you have to continue. That's what abide means. If you continue, then you're really my disciples. Were these his disciples? No. Verse 37. I know, he says, that you are Abraham's offspring. Yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. There's no place for the word in them. They're not going to submit to the word of God. They're hostile. Jesus said, you want to kill me. It's the same crowd that he's speaking to. Verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he has sent me. Verse 44, you are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And what Christ is saying is you're just like that. Nothing has changed on the inside. You hate me. You don't love me. You don't love God. If you love God, you would continue in my word. That's the proof. If you're reconciled to God, you continue in his word. When his word comes to you, you don't say, oh, I hate this. I'm going to do it because I have to make an appearance and look good in church to the people. But I hate this in my heart. You haven't been reconciled then. 1 John 2.19, this is a great verse to know. 1 John 2.19, John said, they went out from us. But they were not really of us. They departed from the faith. They departed from our fellowship. They joined us for a while, but then they left. For if they had been of us, if they had truly been converted, if they had truly been reconciled to God, if they truly were lovers of God rather than at war with him, they would have remained with us. But they went out. Why? Why did they go out? In order that it may be shown that they were not all of us. True believers continue in the faith. That's what Paul is saying. They continue. They don't move away from the truth, and they don't move away from living the truth. Departure from believing and living out the truth just reveals that they never made peace with God. Why? They're still at war with him. And when something provokes that, they'll show it. They'll show the enmity is still there. That's why Paul said in Philippians 1.6, he said, He who began a good work in you will do what? He'll perform it or continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's the work of God that goes on. And you need to take rest in that. If you're troubled by assurance and you're looking for feelings, don't look for feelings. Look at your life. Paul said, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. He didn't mean morbid introspection. He meant allow the Spirit of God to examine. Are you in obedience to the Word of God? When you read the Word of God, and of course the implication is that you do read the Word of God, when you come across the standards of God's Word, you say yes to it. Regardless of how difficult it is, regardless of the cost, you don't fight it. You have a submissive spirit towards it. If you don't, then you're still at war with God. You're still at war with Him. You haven't been reconciled to Him. So let's wrap this up, bring it together. question is, have you ever been reconciled to God. Or are you still fighting him? That's what it is. Are you fighting him? How do you know if you're fighting him? 
There's no submission to his authority. That's how you know it. I mean, you may be a part of this church and still be fighting God. If there's no evidence in your life, if there's no submission to his authority, then you've not been reconciled. And you need to understand that, that your nature has never been changed. And you need to accept Christ. You need to repent of your hostility and wickedness and trust the Savior's death for you. And then you'll have peace. Then you'll have peace with God on his terms. Let's bow for prayer. There may be some in this fellowship who are thinking, you know, I really don't demonstrate a whole lot of submission, if any submission to God. Maybe I'm not saved. But if I admit that, it'll be very embarrassing. You know what? The only one who will have a struggle with that is you. We would all rejoice. And at this point, the devil may say to you, yeah, but you've been in a church most of your life. Everybody thinks you're a believer. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God says. If you don't know Jesus Christ, don't let another day go by without that. There are evangelical churches filled with people who think they're reconciled to God, but they inwardly can't stand him. They hate him, and they're playing games. And nobody else knows it but them. In their heart, there is no genuine submission to his authority. If you're fighting him, And I don't mean you're going through a spiritual struggle. I mean your whole life is one of, you can't stand what the Bible says about do this and do this and don't do this and obey his word here. If you can't stand that, it just goes against your grain, then you're still hostile to him and you need to be reconciled. You need a change. Christ has provided that. You need to accept that. If you'd like to speak to somebody about that privately, you can come up after the service Go through the doors right by the church organ. There'll be somebody there to meet you. Don't let your pride keep you from Christ. And if you are one of his, then you need to know that someday you'll be in front of him, godly and pure and holy. But the process begins now. Christ-likeness begins now. If you're really reconciled to him, the desire of your heart is to obey him. And you ought to learn from this message going away, not so much saying, I need to do this, I need to do that, but with a new attitude. The war is over. The war is over between you and God. And you need to have a new praise, some depth in your commitment, understanding what he's done for you. Understanding that you have a relationship with him because of the blood of Christ. And that ought to be the song of your life that issues out in obedience. Father, Thank you for your word, rich in doctrine, rich in theology. Father, I thank you that you have reconciled us. I thank you that we who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Lord, I pray you'll impress upon each one of us who have been reconciled that we are in a precious relationship with you. And I pray that we might take advantage of our resources in Christ, that we might spend the time with you that we might worship you on our own, that we might spend time in your word and in prayer, and that we would cultivate this relationship. I thank you, Lord, that the war is over. I thank you that salvation is the work of Christ in our hearts and outside of us of what he's done on the cross. I pray for those, Lord, who are still fighting you. I pray that you'll deal with them that they'll not deceive themselves. It's so easy to be deceived, so easy to be blinded by Satan. I pray, Lord, for those in our fellowship who might be like uh, those who had the seed sown on rocky ground. 
I pray for those who might be like those Jewish people in John 8 who really hated Christ, but for appearance sake, seem to attach themselves to him. I pray for those who might be like those in 1 John who are really in a spirit anti-Christ and have not submitted to you. I pray, Lord, that you'll impress upon each one the importance of repentance, submission to Jesus Christ, because we pray this in his name for his sake. Amen. Someday we will stand before God and we will be godly and pure and holy. But the process of Christ-likeness begins now. It's part of our life on this planet. If we are really reconciled to Him, the desire of our heart is to obey Him. The war is over between us and God, and we need to have a new praise, new understanding that we have a relationship with Him because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now that's an encouraging way to end our lesson for today. Thank you for tuning in to Verse by Verse with the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, Steve Kreloff. Oh, we're not done yet with this study of the incomparable Christ. So please come on back next time for Verse by Verse. Verse by Verse.